uh, we are live right now. We are, it's on Facebook, and so what? Beautiful. What you can see, what you can see on your screen is what they see on their screen. Beautiful. Well, then I'll keep my shirt so, on. <laughs> I'm sure there's some amongsters who I would disagree it. with that, but I seriously <laughs> doubt it. <laughs> well, folks, welcome to Paranormal the New Normal, and this week. This is the guest I've been wanting to get on since I started this show, and I've been trying since I started this show, and it just finally managed to work out. And ladies and gentlemen, Derek Hayes, and I don't want to say the part in the middle that I want to say, but I can't because I want kids to be able to listen to this. <laughs> Derek Hayes of Monsters Among Us podcast, and also from Paranormal Court on Camera, and from upcoming documentary about the Asa Borrego Triangle, which I'll let him talk about in a little bit. But Derek, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thank you so much, Jeremy, for having or me on. Today, I guess. I'm used to doing this at night. It's but... always nighttime. It, it, if you're spooky enough, it's nighttime everywhere. Yes, it, that's tr that's truly true. So, why don't you tell the people about Monsters Among Us, for those who don't know, because I bring it up in my show all the time, and I find that it's a mixed reaction to had they heard of it, so... Well, sure, I'll if let I can introduce some new people, I definitely would like to do that. I'll let the master speak about his craft. <laughs> well, I don't know about that either, but... Uh, well, essentially, Monsters Among Us is a call-in show about monsters, ghosts, aliens, cryptids, uh, weird phenomena, basically anything strange, paranormal, supernatural that you can think of, we've covered it. Uh, it's been going on for almost well, six and a half years now we started the show... And uh, we're 400 episodes in, 350 episodes in, something like that. So we've we've got quite a few under our belt. And each episode we share, what, six to ten calls from people across the country, across the world, uh, from varying topics. And uh, we cover some, some pretty wild stuff. Yes, you do, which, as I've actually said in this show before, Monsters Among Us, I was looking for something to listen to in my office I worked at in my previous job with the person I worked with in my office and he didn't like any of my music. So I was trying to find a podcast we could both get into. And I found monsters among us. And I said, Oh, it's a show where people call in and tell their tales of running into cryptids and ghosts and everything else in that category. And he's like, all right, let's give it a shot. We listened to it every day for about two or three weeks until we ran out of episodes. Nice. And then every week when it came on, cause you were in like season two or three at that point at the highest. And Every every week when it came out, we'd be listening to it the next day because it was always just the thing to listen to, and it reunited my love of paranormal because oh, I fell out of that. Since I fell out of that when I was a kid. Like I was into it for years as a kid, and I just fell out of it. Besides a random documentary on TV, but Monsters Among Us reignited my love for the paranormal and made me start branching out into more paranormal podcasts, such as Small Town Monsters, Monsteropolis, and other shows like that, which I actually had Mark Maskey on here a couple weeks ago from Small Town Monsters. Mark's so great, yeah. That, that was another get I wanted to have. Well, but, well, thank you. That's that's quite the compliment. I appreciate that. Oh, it, I mean, it's just truth. It got me back in the paranormal, and it eventually led to this podcast because I was on another podcast, and I, I they kept saying, you should start your own with something you love. And I was like, I'm going to start a paranormal podcast. So that's what's you up. Can, uh, you can go ahead and send the royalty checks to my P.O. box if – that's fine. <laughs> as soon as I make money, I'd be happy to. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the trick in podcasting, isn't it? What's going on, Waza? Another investigator from the UK I've had on this show. Great oh, awesome. guy. How's it going? Uh, UK. 
Oh yeah, I've had some guests from all over the world. It's a great thing. The paranormal world does not is literally the whole world, and there's monsters the UK, everywhere, right? Apparently, in the UK, there's Bigfoot as well, which I knew that, but Waza confirmed it. So, <laughs> so as I always start the show, Derek, one, what got you into the paranormal to begin with? Well, uh, it was an experience for me, actually. I was probably into this stuff when I was younger uh, before that, but I don't recall. I don't remember it. Uh, But I was always into, like, horror films even as a really young kid. But when I was about 10 years old, I was, uh, you know, walking around in the woods with my brother and my my neighbor who was – they were both probably eight. I was 10. And uh, we were walking in the backwoods behind the house, behind the farm there. And we saw something across the hillside that kind of – well, we heard it first, honestly. It caught our attention. We heard some, like, uh, leaves rustling, maybe a branch pop or something. And when we looked, there was a creature running from right to left as fast as can be. A sleek, dark black. It was a panther. That's what it was. Um, there was no denying it. We could see a lot of the details. We all talked about it afterwards. We all agreed it was some sort of black panther. Now, this was Ohio. This is southeast Ohio in the mid to late 80s somewhere. And there weren't even, you know, mountain lions. I don't even know that they were bobcat at the t- at that time. There are now. I've seen them there now. But at that time, I don't recall ever seeing a bobcat, let alone a mountain lion, let alone a large black mountain lion that are not said to exist. So anyway, that got me excited. Uh, I ran home, told my dad about it, and his, his response was pretty funny. Uh, he, he just looks at me and goes, yeah, you know, I saw that thing last week. Uh, it was down at the pond, and I had he was hunting for groundhogs, I think. And uh, he he had I'm trying to remember a two twenty two rifle I think is what he had with him so it had a large scope on it he's like I put it on the scope and everything I almost shot it but I didn't and man am I glad he didn't but although it would have been nice to have some sort of definitive proof uh, you know of what we saw but anyway he he admitted to seeing the same thing and even as a little kid my reaction was why are you letting us wander around in the woods if this thing's down there walking around because it could have eaten any one of us you know it was twice our size. So that got me excited. Uh, I started researching other things. I discovered, you know, Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, ghost aliens, that kind of thing, and just kicked the door wide open for me. And it's just been absorbing that stuff ever since. See, it's funny, because the first time I heard you say that story on the on Monsters Among Us, when I was a kid, my dad and I were leaving a small little dive shop in the woods of uh, New Paltz, New York. And we saw something that looked like a furry, bushy tail go into the other side of the woods when we were driving down the road. And mm-hmm. my we were, my dad and I were both like, what's that? And I had to be eight or nine at this point, maybe, around the same age you were. And so later that night, my dad comes up with the dictionary in his hand, the encyclopedia in his hand, and he's like, that's what it was. And he's pointing at a picture of a mountain lion. Oh, which, wow. Mountain lion, because the tail looked the same as a mountain lion's tail. And mountain lions were supposed to be extinct in New York for the last... 100, 150 years at least. Yeah. Come to find out later on that in the, late, in the late 2000s, the government announced that they've been secretly putting mountain lions back into the New York wild to try to repopulate them because of the deer issue. So, just you shows you that. get that rumor a lot. I don't know how much truth is in it, but you get that rumor a lot. I've, I've heard the same thing in Ohio. And actually, we covered it on the show a couple of weeks ago. Man, where was that? Uh, I want to say like Tennessee or some, you know, one of the northern southern states, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Uh, the same the same story where the government had introduced uh, mountain lions to control the deer population there as well. And I think I touched on the story from where I grew up about uh, the DNR 
releasing wild turkeys to take care of rattlesnake eggs, which I don't know if that really pans out for me either, but uh, that was the rumor in my area. Turkeys eating rattlesnake eggs. I can't say I've heard of that one possibly being, I mean, I'm all for that because I hate snakes. So go ahead, turkeys eat away. But <laughs> well, let, let, me, yeah. let me just say this. I, I never saw a turkey growing up, but now every time I go to Ohio, they're everywhere. So there might be some truth in it. And I've never seen a rattlesnake in the state of Ohio in my entire life. I know they're you know, there on occasion. They're rare, but I've never seen one. Yeah, I've seen turkeys my whole life. Every time you turn a corner, there's a group of turkeys in New York and Massachusetts. So mm, yeah. it's a it's a it's a common thing up here. But so any other paranormal experiences when you're younger? Because I I do know of at least one other one that you've had. You know, it's funny. I have a handful, and I kind of forget that I have them, and then I'm reminded again, like, oh yeah, that that kind of happened. Uh, but are you talking about the Native American entity that I that I witnessed? Is that what you're referring to? I actually wasn't, but I just remembered that you did have that <laughs> well, one. I three and... to tell. Uh, so <laughs> let me tell that one first since I already teased it. Uh, around the same age, it was probably 11 or 12, a little later. We were uh, visiting my grandparents who lived in a house trailer in Jacksonville, Florida. And they lived in a trailer park surrounded this big lake. and all this. It was, it was kind of nice. And it was a tiny place. And, you know, there were th- three of us kids and then my parents. And then I think I had an aunt that was living with them at the time. And then my grandparents, so we're all squeezed into this trailer. So a lot of us are sleeping on the floor. Like, we're young kids anyway. Who cares? Uh, that's where the air conditioner vent was anyway. So I was hugging that thing. <laughs> Florida humidity. Uh, and in the middle of the night, something strange took place. But let me back up before I hit that. Uh, I'm telling my story out of order here. Uh, I would walk by the the guest room, which I guess was my aunt's room, thinking back on it. And every time out of the corner of my eye, I would walk through this doorway, there would be a Native American dancing in, you know, silhouetted by the window that's across the, the doorway. Every time. I saw it four or five different times. And this guy would just be dancing. And I could see feathers coming off of his hair and everything. And, you know, I saw this. I told everybody about it. They all thought it was crazy. They thought I was making it up. And then that night, and this circles back to where I, I accidentally started with the back end, um the adults went crazy one night because some creature, some entity, something was pounding. Now I get my story mixed up. I keep thinking that it was on the roof of the trailer, but I talked to my dad recently and he said it was on the underneath, it was underneath the skirting of the trailer. Some large creature went down and just was pounding, you know, on the floor from below. Uh, and every step it took, it would make a pound. So it would go back and forth up and down the trailer. So they all got up and went outside to try to figure out what it was. And of course they saw absolutely nothing. Uh, unfortunately I slept through that latter half. I don't recall any of that, but the apparition that I saw in the doorway certainly sticks with me to this day. Which native American entities are something that I've actually heard a lot of on this show. Cause I mean, the Native American population was decimated by us, and because mm. of that, they're, they have a lasting effect on this country to this day. There's a lot of tragedy there, yeah. And my wife, actually, is from the Bridgewater Triangle area, and oh, wow. her, the house her grandfather originally bought, which the builders of it, they moved out after about two years, not saying why, but it's built on Native American burial ground. Hmm. So her house is what her house she used to live in was truly haunted and I, I was to be there at night up till three in the morning with her drinking partying whatever and you see some creepy stuff you look out the windows and you see red eyes reflecting back at you it's just 
and she refused to turn off all the lights in the bedroom at night because she said there is a man silhouette on the ceiling and it looks like he's holding an outstretched hand, three glowing orbs. Wow. So it's That's creepy. I mean, I, if her family would ever allow it, I would love to get a full paranormal investigation team in that house just to do a, see what they find, see what, see what they can hear. Or well, they, they got to go on and, vacation sometime, right? <laughs> unfortunately not. Unfortunately oh. not. But <laughs> I wish, but. No, I mean, so, yeah, I mean, the Native American spirits are freaking everywhere, everywhere. I've heard about so many different stories of them, but, and hello, Isla, another one of the Parapost regulars, V-Team Paranormal. Hi, this Isla. network is, this network is full of paranormal investigators, which is great because you get to find out so much cool footage and information. You get some good stories so, from investigators too. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do an upcoming special on that, a little sneak preview here. Um, my my next themed show, I try to do one a, a season, I think is going to be Paranormal Investigators. Oh, I've talked to a few who might have some good stories for you. So bad, I'll, yeah. def- they'll, they'll, I'll have to spread that out in this episode when I share it out. So what is, what is the third story? Because I know I've heard it, but it's a good one, and I want my listeners to hear it as well. Um, remind me of which story this is. I was thinking the restaurant story restaurant story uh <laughs> remind me of of the details and i'll remember and it's just a lot i believe of it was when i believe i believe it was when you were younger and it had to do with the spirit a spirit in a restaurant down a down a dark hallway i believe from where you were sitting huh unless i'm That's i not know i'm ringing I, a bell for me huh because what well, could... restaurant because I was thinking, I mean, I, I, my brother has uh, used to have a house. He sold it now, but uh, that had some weird activity in it. And I had a couple stories from that. We caught some EVPs. We came home from a football game one night and heard some whistling in the back hallway. And the only person down there was my uh, one and a half year old niece, I think, and she wasn't whistling some old tune. So, but I don't recall a restaurant. That doesn't mean it didn't happen. Um, yeah. <laughs> a lot of weird things happen. I talk about it and then I just move on and forget about it. But. Um, you might say something that, re- that reminds me, but it also might not be me. I believe it was the ghost of a young girl that you saw in a restaurant when you were a kid. Like, it was... I I mean, I've heard you tell a story multiple times on MAU, but I just... Hmm. Because, I mean, tw- through 12 students at MAU, I've heard the story three or four times throughout. But Really? Well, now I feel embarrassed that I can't remember my own story. Um, it yeah, if awesome. I said it, it happened. I don't make stuff up on the show for that reason, because... Obviously, I get caught in stuff like this, but I just don't recall the story for some reason. Well, actually, well, another thing I wanted to bring up, because I, I actually wrote this this into you a while ago, like years ago, about on one of the Hometown Legends episodes, you had, this, you had a story about a road in Michigan, which is a very haunted road. You know the one I'm talking about, I'm assuming? Uh, I can't think of the name of it, but yeah, I do. It's uh, There was something like nuns or something would run out of a yes. convent and chase cars. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's funny because that actual road is talked about in Insane Clown Posse's biography. They did a whole oh, no section kidding. of the book. They did a whole section of the book called The Road, and they actually did a written, uh, spoken version of it as an album, where it's about when they were teenagers, they went down this road, and it's all the crazy things they saw down this road, which was including having monks shoot at their car with beanbag guns. Oh, it was monks. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna have to check so, that out. 
I they're actually, fr- they're I, from the Michigan area, right? That's that Detroit, would they're from. They're from, uh, I believe, Seven Mile in Detroit, oh, okay. around there. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I'm familiar I with mean, that area actually. I I went to school in Bowling Green, and we'd go to to Windsor all the time. We'd always get lost and end up on Eight Mile or Seven Mile or something, and. I just, you know, I recall it probably because Eminem, I think at the time, eight mile was probably popular. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Around the early two thousands. Yes. Yeah. Everybody knew that name, but yeah. Cause it was just funny. Cause like I heard that on your show on the one hometown legends. And then all of a sudden I'm like, that's the same road. St. Clown Posse talked about in their book. Cause I read that <laughs> years prior and I'm like, that's the same road. I'm like, I know I heard about that road somewhere before. And like, I, they talk about a lot more in that road than just the monks as well, though, too. I mean, they talk about going up the windows of the houses there and just seeing some creepy stuff in the houses there and whatnot. Oh. Like the whole area is just creepy. I mean, it's been a decade since I read I actually read that book. So my mind might be slipping on some of the details, but uh, I feel you. I al- <laughs> yeah. I also do bring up Max call on my show a lot as well when we're talking about Bigfoot, yeah. because if there is one person I would love to get in this show almost as much as i want to get you in this show it would be him because i want that story told face to face like i believe him fully because the way his voice is in that call but yeah i would i mean getting breastfed by a bigfoot that's just the most craziest but it can't be a lie the way he tells it it can't be a lie i mean i don't at least i don't think so but i could be wrong I'm not if, sure. If it is a lie, he needs to make his way out here to, to L.A. And, and start pitching some shows because the guy's got an imagination. Like The the story he told, I, I'll tell it really quick here, uh, as quick as I can. Uh, essentially, he was hunting in Mississippi, and he fell out of his deer stand. I think it was like a 20-foot drop or something, and landed on his back and broke his back, essentially. And he kind of passed out from the pain, and when he woke up, he was being cradled by this big, hairy creature, a female creature. And it started, like, cooing and, like, uh, rubbing his face and stuff, treating him like a child. And eventually it, it tried to breastfeed him. And he wasn't having any of that, obviously. And he kind of fighting off. And then suddenly he heard a roar from outside the, the little area he was in, from the shrubbery or whatever. He assumed that was the male of the species. So I guess he blacked out again and woke up in a hospital or something along those lines. So it, it was a pretty wild story. It was. I mean, it was one of the one of the many stories on your show that just made me like jaw drop and have to be like, wait a minute, what did he just say? Like, did he really just say that? I love, I love when those calls come in. Like I just get so excited. And the bad part is I have to sit on them for like two, three weeks. Cause I got stuff set up and I'm like, man, I really want to tell this story. I really want to get this story out, but I just have to sit and, and wait for you guys to, to hear it. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I mean, I brought up that, I mean, a few times talking about Bigfoot, I brought that story and people on my show are like, what? Are you kidding me? I'm like, no, he seemed to be God honest, telling the truth. And I can't hear like there's no lying in his voice the way he tells it, which if he is, then, yeah, he needs to go to Hollywood because he would definitely make money out there. That's for sure. But he actually called in twice. Uh, The first call he called in every time I get a call from Mississippi, it never comes through. I don't know if they have a bad infrastructure down. I don't know what the situation is, but the call quality is always terrible. But the story was so good, I'm like, I'm going to put this on Patreon at the very least. If I never get, you know, another, uh, if he never calls back in or anything, I never get a cleaner version. I want to at least get somebody to hear this. So I played the bad version on Patreon and then got a hold of him, and he actually called back in with a better connection. And each story is almost identical. Like, there's no variations. Um, it doesn't, 
sound like he's making parts up as he goes along in either of the two. They're both basically the same story, which to me lends a lot of credence to it. Yeah, I tend to believe those people who spend a lot of time in the woods. Like Those are the ones who have the true experiences because they're out there all the time and they can experience the things without looking for them. So those are the ones I tend to believe more than anybody. And I actually am a Patreon subscriber. I have been for years and years. So I heard... I appreciate that. uh, Oh, oh, well, I had to hear that. I had to hear the bonus episodes, man. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) And and the Knights of the Roundtable is always amazingly entertaining. So gotta love that. And it introduced me to some funny movies, so there's some there's some fun ones that we found over the years, yeah. Uh that Loch Ness one that you guys did a couple <laughs> months like a few months ago, like, oh my god, that was so funny. But yeah, I mean it's just the way it goes. And and I did hear the original version on Patreon, then like it's it, I think it was like a week or two later you had him on the you had it on the regular show yeah. with the clear call and I was like, Yes, I was hoping he would call him back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, unless there's any more experiences you want to talk about, I I'm still trying to remember this restaurant one. Uh, it's bugging me that I don't. But well, as see, soon as we hang up, I'm like, oh, of course, you're talking about the diner or whatever, and it's just not clicking in my head. But I, feel- I mean, see that. Yeah, because there's there's one you told when you were younger, which is the one I'm talking about, and then there's one you told about a ghost story you told about with you and Sarah going somewhere, and it was a guy named Big Jack or Tall Jack, Jack or something yeah, like that, Captain Jack, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can tell you that story if you'd like. Sure. Uh, we we yeah. love ghost stories on this. So <laughs> I'll, I'll keep it as short as possible and get all the, the points. Uh, when Sarah and I first started dating, I lived practically downtown L.A., and she lived in Long Beach. And if you look on a map, they're close together, but it was like an hour and 20-minute drive or something. It was insane. Um, so anyway, we would meet in the middle sometimes, and we would just you know find places to go so we both didn't have to drive a long way. And one of those nights we were going through, I forget the name of the town, Newport Beach maybe, in that area. And we saw this restaurant. It was called Captain Jack's. And it just looked like a little seafood bar kind of place just across the street from the ocean. And uh, so we stopped. And the place was packed, completely packed. But there were two seats at the bar all the way at the end. It was almost like the regulars sat there and they just left or something. So we sat down and ordered our drinks. And I was getting a, a feeling from this dark doorway that was back here, to, back behind me to my left. And I just kept getting this sense, like, there's a big man back there or, or, or a guy back there. And he, he wants me to know he's there. That was basically the feeling that I kept getting. And I got this feeling so much that when the bartender came back, he's like, can I get you guys anything? I said, well, you can answer a question. I said, who's the big guy? Or who's the guy? Maybe I didn't say big guy, but who's the guy? Who's this guy back here? And the guy's like, he knew exactly what I was talking about. He's like, oh, that's Captain Jack. He, he hangs around here. And uh, so we started doing some digging. It turns out it was a guy that passed away from cancer like a decade before that and there's just stories of him haunting this random place that we found i didn't know anything about it sarah didn't know anything about it but he certainly made his presence known and for those who don't know sarah carter hayes is derek's wife who we could thank for having him on my show because she's the one who i contact i was able to contact and get everything set up with so thank you sarah i appreciate all the effort through all the lost email chains we had and whatnot. <laughs> She's the one that wrangles everything, and there's a lot to wrangle. So I, I, I don't envy her job at all. I believe it. I believe it. I have to wrangle. My, I have to wrangle my own podcast. So I truly get that 100. percent I did that for five years, and it got out of hand. So I basically had to make her help me. Yes, and and of course the famous Addie Lloyd, which I would love to get on the show crazy. as well. Because I know she has some stories of her own of different experiences she's had, I believe. Yeah, but he's great. 
But before we move on to Creature Feature, actually, any... Well, why don't you tell them about the new project that you and Dave Flora have coming out in the next few months and sure. any strange any strange occurrences that happened while you guys were out there, possibly. Um, yeah. Uh, well, the project's called... Uh... Let me make sure I get all the title because it's a long title. Shadows in the right. Desert, High Strangeness in the Brago Triangle. And I always leave out a word every time I say it. Um, it's essentially about this spot that we found in the desert out here in California. Uh, it's it's just south of uh, Joshua Tree, Salton Sea area. It's in Riverside, San, Imperial, and San Diego counties. And it's the largest state park here in the state of California. It's Man, how big is that thing? It's like uh, It's bigger than Rhode Island or about the same size as Rhode Island. So anyway, we started doing some research on this place, and we found out it has all sorts of activity going on there. Ghost lights, uh, ghosts themselves, uh, all sorts of historical stuff that ties into that. There's um, UFOs seen. There's uh, military bases that people think are doing some experimental sort of things out there. Sasquatch, uh, the desert Sasquatch is out there. That He's known as the Sandman out that direction. So we basically just kick-started this project, and, and we've been working on it. We shot last summer, and we've been working this whole last year on editing and, and special effects and all this kind of stuff. We have some great artwork by Jonathan Dodd. Uh, our, our editors doing amazing work. Uh, Matt is, is taking care of that for us, uh, Van Hosen. And, um, yeah, we're, we're getting close. I think we're about a month away from actually releasing this thing. Like, I keep thinking we're closer and closer, and then something pops up. And I'm like, oh, we got to fix this or get around this. But we're running out of roadblocks. I think this thing's finally getting finished. Which I can't wait to finally see it because I believe I, I can't remember because it's been so long now. But I believe I am a Kickstarter member for that. I think it's one of you the only be, things yeah. I ever. I think it's one of the only things I ever supported on Kickstarter. But because I was di I mean, I was like, oh, Derek's doing a documentary. Oh, freak yes! Like, I mean, I love small town monsters, but if Derek's doing one, I gotta see it. So, <laughs> well, we kind of got sidetracked by the pandemic. It shut everything down for such a long time. We actually were funded the day that the country basically shut down. So that was really bad timing for us, but we, you know, we persisted and we got it done and, and hopefully we'll get it completely finished. I'm, I'm, we will, we're, we're super close, but uh, it's, it's been, it's been a ride, but it's really good. It's a really good film. Yeah. It's kind of ironic. Almost like the government doesn't want you to put it out, but <laughs> that happened a lot. That happened a lot while we were out there. Um, and as far as activity, I don't want to give too much away that's in the film. Uh, we had some run-ins with the military, which was interesting. And, I don't know that it translates to film as, as, as well as it did when we were there. Everywhere we went, there was a black helicopter on top of us, everywhere. They were either in the distance and came to us, or they just suddenly appeared right over top of us. Um, we, we tried to investigate a, a known Sasquatch hotspot to find out that it's a government training center. The whole thing's just completely fenced off, so we couldn't get access to that whatsoever. Uh, we tried and, and got cut off by MPs. Um, it's just weird stuff. The whole place is just super weird. Nobody wanted to talk to us. Or people, Actually, here, here's how it played out. People wanted to talk to us. Like, oh, yeah, this is a great project. We can't wait to meet you. And then like a day before, they would call like, on second thought, we can't. We can't do this. We can't have this conversation. And they would just flat out cancel. And that didn't happen once or twice or five times or six times. It happened like 10, 12 times. We, we lost people left and right. So we, I don't know if it was um, part of a first-time film experience or if it was a lack of organization or if there was something going on making these people not want to talk to us. But we, we ran a pretty tight ship. It wasn't like we didn't communicate with people. So 
it was weird. It seems almost less like miscommunication type thing and more like a, maybe they were warned not to talk type thing. That's what it felt like to us, but it's it's hard to make those claims without any evidence, but that's what it I felt mean, like. Yeah. That was the gut feeling. But it also could have been that, you know, they just simply listened to Monsters Among Us and were like, well, hell with this guy. Like, no, no way. <laughs> you, you never know. I, you never know. I mean, but let's just say that's how the Men in Black has been operating for a, a century, basically, is by yeah. pe- people not being able to talk about why they can't say things. <laughs> so, who knows? It had that vibe for sure. Definitely had that vibe. Interesting, which you're not the first investigator to tell me that they've been shut down for things like that by, I mean, I know Small Town Monsters has had the same issues sometimes where people just will talk at first, then won't talk once it comes time to. So, I don't know. (laughs) There's a lot of creepy stuff. The flip is what's weird because they're super helpful for five or six correspondences. And then suddenly out of nowhere, they're like, I've changed my mind. Like, And they're cold, too. They're like, no, I'm just not going to do this. So. Yeah, it was weird. We got plenty of people involved, but some of the some of the people we were really hoping to get in certain positions out that direction, uh, we just simply couldn't. Which, yeah, I mean, it's just strange. But there's a lot of strange things in this world, and that's why we do the podcast we do. Because we're here, right? And as my show is called, paranormal is becoming the new normal slowly. So hopefully, all this stuff comes out eventually. The government admits government finally admitted to UFOs to try to take people's mind off COVID. So maybe with the monkey pox, they'll say there's Bigfoot. Who knows? <laughs> Whatever it takes. Oh, God. I, if they say there's, if they, if they actually admit to there being Sasquatch, I'll be the happiest man in the world. That'll be, that'll they, be the day. I need I to slow it down a little bit though. Cause I'm going to make a career out of this somehow. So let's not expose <laughs> everything right away. <laughs> Leave a couple mysteries for me. Oh, there's still a few out there, which we are going to talk about because that's the perfect segue to go to Creature Feature as we are at the halfway point of this interview, basically. So, hmm, who do I want to start with? I'm not going to start with the obvious one that all your fans will automatically assume I'm going to jump to. But let's go with... Well, actually, let's go with Mothman because I actually had a Mothman encounter on this show a couple weeks ago and he encountered it in Bear, Massachusetts. Wow. Which, what part of uh, what part of the state is that in? Well, Bear, I live myself in north uh northwest Massachusetts, central Massachusetts almost and Bear is a little bit further west than I am closer to Springfield. Okay. So okay. It, it's down that way and he was at a he was at a um boarding school i guess you call it a boarding school or a correctional school when in, in bear when he was a kid and him and his friend had an encounter with a white mist in the sky one night and then the next night they actually saw what they believe was a mothman and it glowing red eyes big big wings and everything else so he wow it's a good it's a good it was as soon as i saw him posting on facebook he was ready to talk about it finally i nailed him up for an interview like that day so i'll have to but, check that out yeah that's, I don't think I've heard of, of a Massachusetts Mothman sighting before. I never did either. And the fact that it was about an hour, uh, less than an hour from my house, I had to listen to, I had to get him on because, yeah. I mean, this was back in the 90s, but still, I mean, it's definitely worth hearing. And it, which, I mean, it's weird because Mothman has always been West Virginia. And then all of a sudden, it's in Chicago in mm-hmm. the last five, six years. Chernobyl, supposedly, back in during the nuclear meltdown. And then now Massachusetts, which 
my theories on Mothman are growing because of all these different sightings in different areas. There's a so, there's a famous one that you left out in, in Germany. I don't know if there's any truth behind it, but the story is that in Germany there was some sort of mine collapse in, the, I want to say, the late 1800s or early 1900s. And the Mothman was seen several days before the collapse. And I think, if, if I'm remembering correctly, because of these sightings, some of the miners stayed out of the mine and were spared the collapse. So that's lending to the lore of it being, you know, a precursor of doom or whatever. Yeah, which whenever I bring up Mothman in the show, that's always why I ask people is, is it truly a precursor of doom, like a uh, heavenly being, or if you want to call it an angel type entity? Or is it a bringer of doom, possibly a demonic or underworld-like entity? Like, that's the question I always pose to people. Whew. Uh, man, to answer that would be to understand the Mothman, and I certainly do not. Um, I, I, I get the impression, uh, just this is uh, my gut speaking here, but I get the impression that we are not meant to understand what that thing is. And, and quite possibly we can't even comprehend what that thing is. And some of these tragedies that take place or the sightings themselves are just symptoms of a bigger thing that we just can't fathom. Uh, be that an opening in some sort of dimensional rift or or something like that, or some ancient evil or, or ancient presence. I don't know, but whatever it is, it's beyond my comprehension. Well, I believe it's beyond everybody's comprehension unless the government <laughs> does know what it is and there's not telling us. And uh, Thank you, David. It, apparently, hey, David, how's it going, buddy? Yeah, I was gonna David's, say, I believe he's on... David's my super fan. He's he's coming oh, okay. more times than I think anybody. My uh, my biggest repeat offender. There's there's somebody chasing you though, David. You might want to come up with a couple more stories, bud. <laughs> and pre- apparently, it's pronounced Barry. Which, sorry, I, I've heard it pronounced oh, okay. both ways. And a lot a lot of towns in Massachusetts have. More, I mean, you could say Worcester like five different ways. So <laughs> it's just there's a lot of towns in Massachusetts that's pronunciation's a guessing game but that same Those word old. would be wilkes bar in where is that pennsylvania right wilkes bar pennsylvania i believe or is that north carolina i can't remember north carolina one of those two man I, i'm usually actually no it's it, now i can't remember pennsylvania i think you're right i think it is pennsylvania it's somebody's screaming at us right now one of us is wrong guarantee, <laughs> guarantee it always but yeah i mean the, and the funny thing is alan rawls the mothman experiencer i had he said when he saw it that when he when he was around it, that it felt like a just pure evil presence. Like he said, he got the worst like evil feeling in the world. Like you know, your stomach sinks, like your stomach hurts because it's, you're you're around this thing. It's just, I mean, it could be fear, but I don't know. It could be a lot of different things, and yeah. I don't know because I like to also think that Mothman could possibly be extraterrestrial in origin for sure, or maybe they just stay here. I'm not sure, and. David's going to listen to you and come up with some more stories for you. There you go. And yeah, and apparently Lauren always called it Wilkes-Barre, PA. So, oh, really? I guess... Think... Huh. You can't I'm please everybody with pronunciations. <laughs> I think I heard my pronunciation from an infomercial in the 90s. Uh, you know, at the end of the infomercial, we're like, send your payments to 907 Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. That, that's where I think I heard it from. Anyway. Uh, the random crap that's rattling around up here, like... Most of it's useless. Oh, oh, yeah. 
Always, always. I but I, that's why I'm on three podcasts because I can always find a home for some of the useless information. There you go. Just <laughs> spit it all out. Let somebody else deal with it, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And actually, which talking about Mothman being extraterrestrial, I bring this theory I have up for a lot of people. I don't know where I heard this theory originally, or if I actually made up my own head. I can't tell you, but I have a theory that Earth is a prison planet, and that extraterrestrials have a UN or a dupe or a galactic order, if you want to go by one of the sci-fi shows. And basically they dump any species that are becoming troublesome on earth, which mm. in my, in my, in my idea, this would explain Bigfoot away. This would explain dog men. This would explain Loch Ness and other water, water creatures. This would explain Mothman. And maybe that's my theory is like that. The, the species we see are extraterrestrial in origin, and they are prisoners that are put on Earth because, to them, Earth is a dirtball, backwards planet, and they just dump them here before, probably before, probably a lot of them before we even came around. But yeah, and that's why we see UFOs flying over constantly is because they're basically wardens, making sure that the aliens are behaving, and that's why you don't see Bigfoot skeletons and bodies of other cryptids all the time because they hide the evidence. Hmm. Seems like a lot of work. <laughs> um, I've, I've heard theories like that before. You know, I've heard that exact one from other places and I've heard other ones that yeah, millennia ago, you know, uh, extraterrestrials came here to mine gold or whatever they were mining and they brought with them a slave race and they left the slave race and that became hu the human race. Uh, there's all sorts of these stories like that, that, uh, they're fanciful for sure. I don't know how much truth is in them. I'm, I'm not yeah. the kind of guy that's going to figure that out, honestly. So um, they're fun to listen to, but I don't know how much stock I put in them. If they turned out to be real, would I be surprised? I don't know how surprised I would be, but uh, they're certainly fun to talk about. They are, and there you go, Lauren. That explains humans, too, so that's perfect. <laughs> that's a perfect <laughs> <laughs> segue there. But, I mean, I like I said, I don't know where I heard that theory before or if I, or if I just kind of put it together, but... I know I, I feel like I heard it somewhere when I was younger and I just kind of stuck with it, but it would make sense. And it would explain yeah. all, all these different cryptids that we can't explain. But since I mentioned it though, let's jump over to my favorite cryptid in the world. Dogmen. Hmm, that's my favorite too. Ooh, I actually, I, I think I did know that just in retro in my head right away, but, but yeah, dogmen are one of my favorite cryptids because I hate the word. I hate the word werewolf. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it because I think it puts too much fantasy on these creatures, which have been seen all over the world. And I've actually had not someone on my show who's seen Dogmen, but someone on my show who was in the army with someone else from New Orleans. And his buddy in the army saw a statue of Anubis in, in when they were serving in Egypt. And he straight up got scared out of his wits and said, what's that? What's that? And they're like, that's an ancient Egyptian god statue. And he's like, I saw that in my in my backyard when I was a kid twice in New Orleans. Wow. Apparently That's one a... time it was lo looking from his backyard and it saw him looking out the window and it just kind of went back to what it was doing. And then another time he saw it paddling on like with a log up a, up a river. Wow. Let's uh Luguru territory down there. Uh, it's you know that's what they call Exactly. That 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 Cajun werewolf. Um yeah. Here's the thing about Dogman and more importantly, dogman sightings. What these people are saying is crazy. I'll admit it. It's crazy. They're talking about 
essentially a werewolf in the woods of Wisconsin, Michigan, where, you know, wherever, um, New Orleans. But I've heard so many people talk about this and not all of them. I, I'm not going to sit here and say all of them sound credible, but some of them, a handful of them sound very credible, uh, especially in places like uh, Bray Road in Wisconsin. Some of those reports, they're compelling. You know, the, the way people tell the story, the details they include, a lot of the same details are repeated. So I'm, at least with that case, I'm of the mind that there's either something there or there's somebody that owns a werewolf costume that lives on that road. And at, at a certain point, that's not a smart move. And it's going to take somebody with some cojones to put that suit on and go stand alongside the road and, and scare people in a moving vehicle. Uh, so I don't know which of the two it is. I, I'm certainly hoping for the, the dog man to exist because that's what I want to happen. But um, <laughs> the, the, the the sightings, the reports that these people are, are submitting are they're, they're hard to believe, but I want to believe, I guess is the best way for me to put it. Yeah, which I mean, even though even if it is someone putting on a suit, that doesn't account for the sightings of people sitting on the side of the road eating roadkill. I mean, if sure. someone's willing to put on a wolf suit and sit there and re- literally eat roadkill, I mean, more props to them for the freaking wa- that much dedication to something. <laughs> but really my God, sell it, yeah. And I mean, my favorite Dogman case, of course, is the lamp is the Beast of the Lamb Between the Lakes because that is truly horrific and gory as could be. I mean. It's just horrifying. I mean, the body of a girl found in a tree, which no serial killer is going to throw the body up in a tree. I mean, that's just illogical. Yeah, they that's that's not a good job hiding a body if you're a serial killer. So I, I don't know that I've ever heard about the the girl in a tree. I know of the land between the lakes monster. It's in uh, was that Western Kentucky? Is that where that is? I I always thought it was Wisconsin. I always thought it was the land between the lakes was part of Wisconsin. I always thought. No, I'm pretty sure that's or, Kentucky. Or uh, Kentucky or Missouri, that area somewhere. Um, or I used to always say, I used to, I, I'm pretty sure I used to always say Michigan, but then I always got yelled at for saying that because people said that's not true. <laughs> Michigan has its own, you know, its own dog, man. The Michigan oh, dog. K- Kentucky. You're Kentucky. You're right. Kentucky. I just Googled it real fast. Oh, okay. All right. So I, I need to correct a lot of my old episodes, apparently. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I'm sure I do, but, too. I'm sure I screw up things all the time. It's it it's actually funny because I don't know if you heard of a I don't know if you heard of an investigator from a group called Phantoms and Monsters in Pennsylvania called named Lon Strickler. Oh yeah, yeah, I know Lon. Yeah, Lon's Lon's great. He I had him on this show a couple months ago, and the amount of dogmen calls he gets to investigate out of Pennsylvania is just insane. He says, and he says they said reports of them bluffing on people and like charging on people. Like, wow, it's just. Like, like they're defending territory in a way, almost. Huh. And he says they're, they're around a lot of the mines in Pennsylvania is where they're reported. So, well, That would make a lot know. of sense. The state, First of all, the state's full of mines, so that doesn't narrow it down necessarily. But it does kind of <laughs> make all, sense yeah. that they need a place to hide. If something like that is going to exist, it needs a place to hide. And, well, there you, there you go. I mean, what a better place to hide than in a dark, abandoned mine somewhere. Which... I mean, I'm not sure if dogmen have been. My theories on dogmen are either they've been here for since before humans, and we just they got better at hiding, and that's also where the werewolf lore came from is because of dogmen. Or, I mean, what if they are, as Lon said, ultra dimensional creatures that or ultra terrestrial creatures that can jump through dimensions, and we're seeing just 
them for a few minutes before they jump back out again. They come yeah. here for food or whatever they're coming here for. I don't know, but it's creepy. It's creepy because, I mean, if a dog, if I see a dog in a field, because I have two Mastiffs, and if one of them stood up on their hind legs and started walking towards me, I might be running for the hills. But yeah, because they're big enough on all fours. I don't need to be on two legs. But there's been some information that uh, about these creatures that have kind of linked them to some sort of ancient history, I guess I would say. Uh, the, the one story that comes to mind took place in a, I think it was outside of a mental institution somewhere near Bray Road, somewhere in Wisconsin. And I believe this was the same mental institution that JFK's sister was was boarded in. Oh, I've uh, anyway, heard about that one. Yeah. There, there was a... Uh, a night guard there that found I'm trying to remember how the story goes. He was doing patrols and he came around to this mound. I don't know if it was a, a burial mound of, by any means, but it was a mound of dirt. And there was one of these creatures on top of it, digging, digging into this mound. And he kind of shined a light on it. And I think he left, he got freaked out and left and came back the next day. And the exact same scenario was going on. And this time the creature turned around to him and said the word Gadara to him. Now, Gadara, what I think, I am not a religious person, so I, I'm not the person to ask about this, but from what I understand, Gadara was a city that was basically wiped off the map, uh, kind of the Sodom and Gomorrah situation, something like, along those lines. And uh, so that's what kind of linked it to that ancient, uh, that ancient lore, those ancient myths was that word. And I heard some other things too, and I, I can't remember the details well enough to regurgitate the story, but... Uh, it's more mentions like that, you know, ancient history. Anubis is another good example. I mean, there is the the Egyptian god that is essentially a dog man in in gold garb. So you know that that's persisted for what five thousand years. Yeah, somewhere around that. And I I believe there was also an Aztec god that was the same thing, kind of. It was the same. Yes, you're right. I mean, I, I I'm pretty big in mythology, but. It, I was looking for the name of that creature. It's in my head somewhere, but I don't. I don't know. I, get it out that quick. I quick, can't do quick cicadal is what I want to think, but that's the, that's their other. That's the main god. Yeah. There. I I Aztec gods. I'm not good at doing the names because the names are so hard to pronounce to begin with. But I I mean, dogmen are creepy. I mean, in a way, but I also love them. I love them. I mean, I am still trying to find time to watch Small Town Monsters Rougarou movie, and I'm dying to see it, but. But since I had brought up Lon, I will bring up this because it's interesting because he said another thing. He's had multiple reports of, of the mines of Pennsylvania, which, as you said, there's a lot of them, but dragons. Dragons. He's okay. had reports of dragons out of Pennsylvania. Hmm. And I don't think Hogwarts is in Pennsylvania, so I don't no, know I what, what to make of that. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of any other dragon. I have one dragon story that I can recall. It was called in three or four seasons back. I think it was a gentleman in, Ar in Arkansas and his family busted out a telescope. They put it out in the yard and they were all taking turns viewing the moon through the telescope. And when he looked, he could see dragons flying around it. And he said he could make out the detail. He could make out the wings and everything. Uh, it, it was detailed enough that he could tell that they were dragons and not something else. It was, he wasn't mistaking his eyelashes or something. Uh, that's the only story I could remember uh, about a dragon. Yeah, which I mean, I actually I do remember that story on on MAU. I do remember that. Now you said it, but and I mean, it, when Lon said that, my jaw literally dropped, and I was like, "Dragons!" And Lon, with a straight face, just like, "Oh yeah, 
yeah, dragons. He's like, <laughs> I, I've heard of a few a few different encounters with them. And I'm like, I mean, he gets a lot of good he gets a lot of good people calling him though about with encounters. Yeah, I I've read I've read a lot of the witness reports he puts out, and it's like, oh my god, like. Where are they, why can't I get these people on my on my damn podcast? <laughs> but <laughs> he's he's always my my go to when I can't find a connection anywhere. Yeah, you know, I try to connect stories on the show. If somebody sees Bigfoot in New York, I want to play another New York Bigfoot story or some you know correlation to it. And when I can't find anything, I always know that Lon's got a story for me somewhere. So he's always my back pocket search for for any kind of story because he's got man, he's got an encounter for everything and for every place. He does, and it's it's incredible. I I'm happy I met him and got him on the show. I mean, it's a great. He was a good, he was a great person to talk to for a while about cryptids. And I actually might might have to have him back on sometime, and in the near future. But all right, let's go to this one because I've talked to other people about this one, but they just don't know enough about it. And I know you know about it. And that is for all the monsters out there. The favorite topic of us: mirrored men. Mirrored men. Which MAU was the first show I ever heard of them on, and I know for a lot of people it's the same thing. So, well, I think even still, this is pretty much the only place you're going to hear about it. There's a few. Lon has a few stories on, on Phantoms and Monsters about them. Um, I've heard them on a few other podcasts. I'm trying to think of of where those were, but I can't think off the top of my head. But uh, essentially, here's how the story started. Um, when I started the show like you, I was struggling to get people on. Like I need somebody to tell a story. Like I don't even care if it's a good story. I just need the content to get rolling here. So I, I, what I did is I hit up everybody I knew. I went through my office at work, you know, when I was still working uh, down in LA, I went to everybody. I'm like, Hey, do you have a weird story? You can sit down and tell me for five minutes. And once I exhausted that resource, I started reaching out to people I knew and I got into my friend group in college. And I remembered one of my friends uh, telling me a story one time about, these weird figures that he'd seen walking down a street. And I thought, man, Matt, call the story in for me. So I, I called him up and true to his word, he called it in. I played it and I literally thought that would be the end of it. And a couple weeks later, I got three, four, five different calls and stories that are basically telling the same story. And what it was is he looked out the window, he saw three men dressed eerily. And I don't remember how he described them being dressed, but different people describe them different ways. A lot of times they're in tweed suits. Sometimes they're in robes. Uh, oftentimes their outfit is, uh, it sticks out. It's not something you would normally see people wear. But the weirdest part about these three men is the fact that they move in unison. If the first one raises his arm, the other three behind him raise his arm. If he takes a step, the other three behind him take the exact same step. They move in unison. Uh, and the scariest part of these entities is Everybody that seems to experience them has some experience with missing time, uh, minutes, hours, sometimes a half a day. And a lot of times it seems like there's a weapon involved that happens instantly. Uh, or if in one case, the guy was hunting in his deer stand and when he saw them coming, he couldn't make out what they were. So he put his gun up so he could look through the, the scope to get a better look. And that's when all hell broke loose. He said they all turned to look at him, and the next thing he knew, he woke up 12 hours later on the ground with his gun shoved into the dirt. Uh, so I'd never heard of these things before. I did tons of research trying to find them. I, I found a couple stories here and there of people talking about stuff like this, but they didn't have a name. And <laughs> it's kind of selfish of me, but one of the things I really wanted to do was name a monster. Like I'd heard stories of Lauren Coleman naming different creatures and 
oh, man, that'd be really cool to have just one story. I'm dead and gone, but the mirrored men are still here. You know, that'd be kind of cool. So I got so many stories. I'm like, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to name these things. So I just came up with the name mirrored men and it kind of stuck. Uh, but it's, it's been a huge phenomenon on the show. People call in, I get what, three, four stories a season, probably, uh, involving the mm-hmm. mirrored men from all over the place, all over the world, really. Which it's creepy. Cause I mean, whenever I, whenever I describe to people on this show, I always say, imagine one of those people you see at carnivals and they have the poles with two dummies next to them so that the dummies are making every movement they move. That's the way I describe them. Cause that's how I picture it. Kind of my picture it. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, a bunch of the calls you've had about them, they're wearing like men in black type suits in those calls. Aren't they? Some like of them. Top, yeah. Like top hats and everything. Like I don't recall the top hats, but I do recall it, tweed is the word that's used a lot. Tweed suits. And I, don't, I honestly don't even know what a tweed suit is. I think it's, it's a type of material. Perhaps I can um, picture it. It's like a 50 60s type suit that oh, a lot of okay. men more, I believe. Or even seventy even 70s. I mean, Tweed's been around for a long time, but but yeah, mirrored men are just fascinating. And small town Monsteropolis might be doing an episode on them eventually because uh, I I definitely piqued oh, nice. Mark Maskey's interest when I brought that up, and he had no idea what I was talking about. Oh, nice! nice I, tr- yeah. I I told him I told him I'm like go go look at go look for Monsters Among Us in any in any podcast platform and just type in mirrored men and see what comes up. You'll find a bunch of, ep- there's a special dedicated to them for God's sake. So yeah, season seven, episode 15. It's one of the few I have memorized. I was going to say, I'm like, I don't have, I don't have that memorized. Like that, no, but... pe- people ask all the time. So I, I have that one on the ready, but. All right. We're nearing the end, but before we do, let's go with one last one. And it's my second favorite cryptid of all time. And I love talking about them. Mokele Mbembe. And the idea of living dinosaurs, which I've brought up a lot on this show, and a lot of people have never heard the story. Some people have. I mean, of course, Lon had stories for it because it's Lon. Yeah. But of course, he does. So, I mean, between Mokele and Bembe over in the Congo, between the tribe in South America that worships raptors that live in the forest, mm-hmm. and but and and the flying pterodons, pterodactyls that live out in the Western United States, supposedly. And pick up kids, according to Mysteries and Monsters in America. What do you think? Do you really believe there could be living dinosaurs in the world? Or is it just a hoax of some kind or a fantasy of people? Well, the science says it's near impossible. Not impossible, but near impossible. And if these things were to survive, I would imagine it would be places like the Congo or the deepest parts of, uh, I'm trying to think of where in South America that, I know what story you're talking about. I think it's in Chile, maybe? I was going to say, I always I always say it's either Chile or Peru. I always say I it's, it's Chile or Peru. it's Chile for some reason, or Chile, I don't know how you pronounce that. But, uh, and, and then, of course, uh, Papua New Guinea's the Ropen uh, out there. The True, I have, iridescent I have that shirt from pterodactyls yeah so if they were to exist they would be in these tucked away corners of the planet where people have a hard time accessing where stories persist and have existed for eons those are the places where it would take place and mokele and bembe man i've been obsessed with that since i found out about that story 35 years ago i'd say exactly Uh, something like that um i don't know it's just when i was a kid there was a, a a movie called what was that movie called? Baby something. Babe. Ba- baby. It was called Baby. Baby, but there was more to it. Uh, 
but you're, we're talking uh, about the same movie. There was a, a full long title. I always just called it Baby, I think, because that was the dinosaur's name. But it essentially, it was a. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the species of dinosaur that was probably a brontosaurus. Is that even a species anymore? I think there's some debate about that. But Baby, Secret of, of the Lost Legend. Last, Secret Lost of Legend. the Lost Legend. That's what it was. Yes. Uh, anyway, these scientists find a little baby dinosaur and they're trying to get it out of the jungle, I guess. And I don't remember and the yes. plot. I don't remember anything about it other than thinking there's got to be real dinosaurs. Look, that one's right there on the TV screen. So there's <laughs> that made it more real for me. And that, that feeling's kind of stuck with me through adulthood. I think I, I'd, I mean, I'd love it, it if it was true, it is a brontosaurus and I believe it's kind of the same story of that movie about the Panda. I can't think of the freaking name of now. I just had it, <laughs> but yeah, I think it was a Disney movie, but Kung Fu Panda. No, the great. Actually, I think it was just called the Great Panda Adventure. But I'm not familiar. it was a it was a movie when I was a kid about two kids trying to rescue a baby panda from poachers. But mm. well, it's the so same it's kind, story of all of these. You know, ET is the same way. You just yeah. kids are hiding a creature from adults essentially. But I think these were grown scientists that were doing it. But same story. Yeah, same story basically. But I mean, and the other theory that I always bring up with Macaulay and Bembe is, and all these creatures is. Hollow Earth, because that would explain where all these creatures are able to hide when they don't want to feed or be out in the sun. And I mean, that would that would also describe that would be where rakes like to hide the pale crawlers. I mean, a lot of creatures, dog men even too. I mean, a lot of creatures would be able to hide if there's a Hollow Earth. And I don't know if it's true. I mean, I know science definitely tries to tell us it's not true, but. What if it's just something that the governments are trying to hide from us, which is why we're not allowed in Antarctica, because that's where the main entrance is. For, from my understanding, we're not allowed in Antarctica because most of us would be dead in a few minutes, I think. I actually know a handful of people that have that have made that trek for various reasons, and they talked about how terrifying it was. Um, I will say this. you know, Whether or not Hollow Earth exists, um, whether or not it's a theory or it's something that's real, there are caves everywhere. Uh especially in the eastern half of the U.S. I mean, you look at the mm-hmm. Tennessee, Kentucky, uh, northern Georgia, that whole region is just nothing but cave systems that go through there. So in a sense, there is the hollow earth theory is real in that there are pockets of of space beneath our surface all over the place, here in the west as well. Uh, there's, there's plenty of caves throughout California, Nevada, and that area. So uh, you, you may not even need the hollow earth theory to be real for this theory to to take root because these spaces already exist which i mean i love that one meme you see on facebook all the time where it's a picture of the caves a map with the cave system showing and then all the missing 411 calls are right on the cave systems which is yeah. just like ear it's eerie it's eerie it that they could be so close and it's like all right what's happening in these caves i mean because i believe they say only 40 percent of these caves have actually been explored like no one's ever explored fully besides possibly Native Americans because they used to take treks through them. But mm-hmm. well, you know, all- there, was a, there was a recent cave discovery. I think I read about it yesterday where these two spelunkers, Tennessee maybe, they were way back into this cave and they found a dog, somebody's dog that had been missing for six weeks or two months or something, alive somehow, been stuck in this completely black cave for who knows how long. It, stuff can hide down there, and you, you you never know what's going to be in there. And you mentioned the pale crawlers. We get a lot of entries on Monsters Among Us about pale crawlers. 
and they almost always seem to line up with that cave system you're talking about. Now, whether or not that image is correct, I know which meme you're, you're mentioning. I, I can't verify that the, the caves are where they say they are in that image, but if they are, then these pale crawler experiences seem to line up exactly in those same locations. Yeah, which it, it's actually funny because my wife videotaped and saw one of those at the at her house at the house she lived in near the Bridgewater Triangle, like out her oh, really out her out her upstairs bathroom window, kind of like the original YouTube video that people always reference for those. Um, she tried filming it out her window, but the light in the bathroom was on and it was a screen, so it's hard to see anything really. But mm-hmm. it it came out of the woods in her backyard and kind of walked around, like well, not even walk, like kind of stumbled around. And then just slowly retreated back to the woods. Like it was, she was terrified. She's messaging me the whole time on messenger. Like, what do I do? What do I do? I'm like, do nothing. Stay in the house and try to get a good picture of it. Like that's all you can do. That's the wrong advice. She needs to call 1-888-608-NIGHT and then send me the footage. That's what she needs. (laughs) No, that's my house. She definitely needs to call in and, and, and share that story with me because that's, that's incredible. Trust me, I've been trying to get her to call in forever, but she is just too shy of a person to do that type of stuff. And I keep saying I got to write down all her, all the st- all the stories her family's told me about that house, and just do a bunch of call-ins for it because you could do a whole f- freaking series of Bridgewater Triangle calls based on that. But yeah, and, and I mean, there's also the last thing I'll say about it is there is a there's a tree in the woods behind her house that has all these eyes and other symbols carved into it. And there, the guess has always been that it was Native Americans who did it, but because it looks very old and it looks like the like carvings have been there forever, it looks like. And as soon as they bring people into that clearing where the tree is, anybody they bring in is just like, I want to go. I have a really bad feeling about this place. I want to go. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, told, I told Mark, I'm like, small town monsters or somebody needs to do a new real documentary on the Bridgewater Triangle area and not they did one in the 90s, but it didn't really show anything. It just was a regular old documentary from the 90s where they talked most of it. I mean, yeah. someone needs to do actual footage down there in Huckamuck Swamp, too, because we tried getting into Huckamuck Swamp, but the only way to do it is to take a kayak into like the little island area where it all happens. And oh, wow. But we weren't trying to do that with two kids, though. So yeah, at least I wasn't. My, my wife was all for it, but I'm like... My wife was all for it, but I'm like, I'm not taking the kids in there. No, like that's dangerous. <laughs> yeah. But it is. I mean, so we never got in there. But and I did go to Freetown State Forest looking for Bigfoot one time, but nothing got found there. But they are reported there constantly. Well, you know, it's I mean, funny about Massachusetts. I've got a lot of calls uh, in the past couple of seasons about Route Two. I think it's what it's called. It's in the northern I live, state. I live five minutes off Route Two. Okay, so you might know what I'm I, talking about. The the calls you got a call I believe in the fit in the Fitchburg area which is the next big town down for me about okay. I believe it was a shower person or a ghost walking across the highway while they were driving yeah something along those lines that kind of crossed in front of them but they're all road related calls from what I from what I recall well I'll tell you I li- I mean I live in Gardner Massachusetts I said it on the show a million times so I'm not really shy about saying it and Gardner is known for UFOs. And we have seen a lot of strange things laying in our bed at night out the window. And Lemonster and Fitchburg, the two closest towns, Lemonster State Forest is a known Bigfoot hotspot. And yeah. Fitchburg is known for having strange occurrences as well. And there, there's a huge bunch of haunted houses around here. The SK Mansion in Gardner 
um, East Coast Paranormal just did a overnight stay there, do an investigation. Actually, I would have went if I had like three podcasts that night, so I couldn't go. But, hmm. but I mean, I. So yeah, this Massachusetts is the way I always say is Massachusetts is a very old state, as everybody knows, with a lot of history, a lot of yeah. horrible history. So it's going to be a very haunted state. I've been to I've been to Salem too, but I've never seen anything. But I've been to Salem, and I mean, I've heard if you go to Salem at night, it's a different experience completely. But yeah, haven't I, haven't had a chance to do that yet. Soon, hopefully soon. Maybe once the kids are a little older, we'll take them there at night and do a overnight thing. But well. I don't want to take up all your time because I believe you probably have a thousand things to do getting ready for the new season of MAU. Um, yeah, I'm on hiatus. I'm, I'm listening to calls. I'm doing some organizing. I built a shelf in my office. You know, it's, I use this time to kind of get caught up because during the season, it's just a frenzy. Like you get one episode done. I literally hit send and I start on the other one like minutes later. So it's kind of a never ending cycle and it's nice to have a couple, couple days to take a breather. So, why don't you just tell people once again the hotline number if they want to call in sightings and where the and anything anything you want to anything you want to put put out there for people to know about? Sure, sure. Social, um, anything. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, the hotline is one eight 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 six zero eight night. That's one eight 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 six zero eight six four four four. It's toll free in the United States. I don't know about out of the U.S., uh, but we're accepting any call. You have a story, just call and leave a voicemail. Uh, leave your story in the form of a voicemail, and I'll take care of the rest. Uh, you can find Monsters Among Us every Thursday. We're coming back, I want to say September 15th is the day we come back. Mid-September, uh, we return for season 14 with our, uh, which special is this? Transportation. This is the transportation special. So there's going to be a lot of uh, trucker calls and, um, you know, that kind of people driving to work, that kind of thing. So, um you can find uh, Monsters Among Us anywhere you can find a podcast. Um, outside of that, we have, uh, let me get the title again, <laughs> Shadows in the Desert, High Strangeness in the Brago Triangle. I always screw that up. Um, that's going to be really soon. I don't know where yet. We're meeting with distributors, so I guess stay tuned. We'll, we'll have, set, have that information out to you guys shortly. But hopefully everywhere. It'll be something that'll be easy to find. And... I also add, be sure to check out Monster Monsters Among Us Beyond. Pay the $2 a month or whatever it costs now because it's well worth it. I've been paying for it for years, and I love having that extra episodes every week or bi-weekly, however, he's able to, however Derek's able to release them, which I enjoy them immensely. And, they, and now you can get the other episodes extended and ad-free as well, which is a freaking amazing thing, amazing thing. The fact that the episodes are an hour and a half, hour, 45 minutes long now is just oof, so much more stories to enjoy and listen to. It's amazing. I'm glad you enjoy it because I'll be honest, it's daunting. But I'm, I'm, people are loving it, so it's not going anywhere. We're going we're gonna to keep doing it. But, yeah, we recently changed. We've just been doing bonus episodes like once or twice a month before that. And it was just a lot of work to just do a whole brand new episode. But to extend an episode is a lot easier. So. Uh, we started doing that what two months ago, something like that. So there's tons of, of extra content there for five bucks a month. I think is what our Patreon is. And I will say I did love the paranormal news thing you were doing on YouTube for a while, but I understand that you can only do so much. You're you're one man, so that I'll tell you what you're talking about para weekly, which is an idea I've had forever. I've had that idea longer than I've had the idea for Monsters Among Us, uh, and it's just basically um, like a news show for the paranormal. You know any 
recent sightings, any paranormal news, we cover it. We'll have a couple guests on. And I think I shot 10 episodes, and man, was that a lot of work. Uh, it was me and Sarah uh, here in the basement uh, at a green screen and, and a little teleprompter, and we're just trying to get it all. And it was just so much work, and I just couldn't keep up with it, and I, I couldn't do it justice. So instead of, you know, uh, I don't know, can I say half-assing it? Instead of doing that, I um, I decided we're just going to put a pause on it. It's coming back in some caliber, some way, sometime. I don't know when, but it's it's going to come back. I, I love that project too much to just, you know, let it fall to the wayside. So we're trying to figure out a happy balance so we can still create that content. Well, I mean, just a suggestion, but maybe have some investigators and other stuff that do special features on certain episodes, and that way it takes some of the load off you, and they can just shoot their own video and send to you. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a great I, idea. Getting that set up is a whole other, whole other situation, but it is a really good idea. Yeah, I mean, well, of course it would be, but it's just eh, an idea that might work. And Lauren, thank you. We glad we can make you entertain while you're getting ready for work. Oh yes, Always. thanks, Lauren. I keep forgetting about the messages down there. Sorry, guys. I know it's well. Trust me, my first my first whole live stream, I forgot to even check the comments, and <laughs> oh my god, I I might have lost like twenty listeners that evening just because of that. But so but yeah, these, these streaming things are, are harder than they look. Uh, I'll be honest with people. You know, you got there's a lot you got to take care of. So you know, I, I feel for you. It's it's a lot to manage, yeah. and you have to ask and, questions and keep the conversation going. So you're doing a great great job. Well, I appreciate it, and I yeah, I do. I this week I'm pretty much doing a paranormal live stream almost every night, so it's nice. always. It, I think I ha- I have another one tonight, so it's always. Par- Parapost is a great place to do it, and they're a great network full of investigators and other paranormal podcasts. So, paranormal. I mean, Parapost. If you, if you know what you're doing, you'll want Monsters Among Us on your streaming. I am telling you, <laughs> <laughs> it would be, oh, uh, you would get a huge fan base, but. Because I can tell you, I, I'll tell you, I meet people in public all the time because I work in retail and I'll meet people walking down a store all the time wearing a mirrored men's shirt or an ABC shirt. And I'll just be like, really? You're a fan. I'm like, oh, it, I mean, it's not like a daily thing, but it definitely happens at least once every other week, if not more. No kidding. Wow. Yeah, I I've mean, never had that happen, but I also am a recluse. And I never leave the house, so it's it's hard for me to see people. But well, if I, I do, I actually, I, I'm, I'm going to walk up to you. If I see you wearing my shirt, I'm, I'm going to come find you. Oh, trust me. I mean, I actually work. I actually work from home now, so it's I'm more of a recluse now than I used to be. But you get it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just it. It was always cool to see another fan of the show, and and you know, from Massachusetts, you have a lot of fans because you get the calls. So yeah, there's a lot of them. And actually, it's funny. You had a call probably like a year ago now from Marlboro, Massachusetts, about a UFO sighting. Yeah. It, it was. Uh, from an apartment complex in Marlboro, Massachusetts, and it was bright, a bright light coming out of the sky, like a spotlight almost. Oh, and, okay. Yeah, I think I remember the spotlight. I was trying to think if there was another one that was like an orange elevator door, I think, that was in that same nah, area. But the spotlight, uh, maybe. One, I, I think yeah. I know what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, which uh, I actually originally mo- originally lived and worked in Marlboro. Oh, and I, I, I'm i pretty sure when I heard that story, I was almost driving by that apartment complex. Hmm. So... I mean, there's been a lot of things like Ron driving down Route 2 and then all of a sudden a Route 2 story will come on. I'll be like, synchronicity. <laughs> that happens to me, too. You know, I, I remember driving in Ohio one time and I was going right through Salt Fork State Park, which is a big Bigfoot hotspot in that area. And I was listening to, I think I was listening to Shannon on Into the Fray, uh, Shannon Legro, And she 
just started talking about uh, South uh, South Park. She started talking about Salt Fork uh, right in the middle of me driving through there. I'm like, what, what are the chances? You know, what a coincidence or synchronicity. I mean, if she's talking about South Park, I'd be interested in that too. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I actually tried getting Shannon on this show when I first started it, but I might have to reach out to her again on Twitter and try to get her on. I'd love to have her on. But Shannon, Shannon's one of the hardest working people in in the paranormal. So she's oh, I know she's got the schedule. So good luck. Yeah. I, I have a hard time yeah. getting getting her on myself. So good good luck. She's in high demand. Let's put it that way. I'm sure. I'm sure she's one of the bigger paranormal podcasts I know the name of for years. So. So that's going to wrap it up for us because I know Derek's a busy man and I got to get back to work actually. So I will say thank you to all my listeners. Thank you, Derek. You made a dream of mine come true. And as all my listeners know, you can find me, me on the Paranormal Than Normal slash Maniacal Music Musings podcast group on Facebook and just ask to join. I don't turn anybody away and you'll see everything I do there. Or you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as, as at Juggalo Bastard. So until then... Thank you for listening, and I will see you next time.